Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, it's Pauline. Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats, and it is episode 10. So to celebrate and make this one a little bit special, I am with Emily, who has lived abroad for years and is founder of Expat Parenting Abroad, where she supports and coaches parents and women in their expat experience. So today's episode is going to be mainly focused around parenting, kids, and finding your balance as a woman abroad. Welcome, Emily. How are you? Thank you, Pauline. I'm great. I'm so excited to be here and and doing this with you today. So am I. I'm very happy to have you on the podcast and have a bit of a special episode today. So first thing first, let's talk a little bit about how this business came to you and then you can explain a little bit more about the business and what you do, how you support parents Yeah, cool. Um, I've been an expat for 20 years and the first, I guess, uh, 10 years of my, or eight years of my expat life, I had a a career in human resources. And when we moved to our first uh, posting in Asia, which was Hong Kong, I was able to work in the traditional sense. And then we moved to uh, Mumbai and then Delhi. And and in India, I had both my babies in in Mumbai and Delhi as well, but in India, it's a lot harder as a dependent to work. Um, And so I I looked at sort of other avenues and I did a lot of volunteering and ran the expat networking organisation and the mother-toddler play groups and all that sort of thing. And then we got moved to China and, again, language barrier. I couldn't work in the traditional sense. And I volunteered again there. I ran the parent organisation at the international school. And then we got moved to Taipei. My husband's in hotels, so we get moved every two okay. or three years. And we moved to Taipei. And I was, if you've done a lot of volunteering, which I'm sure a lot of your <laughs> listeners have done, um, it's very thankless. And yeah. as much as you're giving back and it's self-rewarding, there comes a point where you're like, there's got to be something more. <laughs> <laughs> I was at that stage. Yeah. So in Taipei, unfortunately, again, I couldn't work in the traditional sense um, there, and there were a lot of volunteering opportunities. I took the moment to pause and reflect and do some soul searching and work out what I could do for me um, mm. that would be more meaningful. And I discovered a course called Business Idea Accelerator, which Tandem Nomads, Amel Delegi runs. And... Yes. Through that, I discovered my passion is actually expat life and being a mum. So <laughs> expat parenting abroad was born as oh, a result. Wow. <laughs> it is great that you get to combine your passions and your experience and put it to serve others and at the same time, um, yeah, get out what you need from it. Yes, yes. And, and certainly with expat parenting abroad, I'm taking that coaching and um you know capability development you know that stuff that I loved about human resources which was my career and I'm taking my personal experience as an expat and all the volunteering I've done and I've I've married the two up and I feel so privileged that I have the opportunity to do that because when you can work on your passions with skills that you're strong uh with it's so rewarding Mm, absolutely 
diving deeper into expat parenting abroad, how how does this work? How do you support parents? Mm. So it's it's changed a lot. I started providing support groups for mums who were moving for the first time and um, getting them together and working through a series of, of themes over a period of 12 weeks. And I'd curate resources from the experts because there's amazing experts in this space. And I'd curate resources and then we would, I would coach it with them on these week, weekly themes. So from how do you find your friends to how do you actually settle your family, um, how do you create a home environment when you're living abroad, yeah. finding purpose, all sorts of different topics. And I'd curate resources and we'd coach it. And then through that I was getting more requests for individual coaching from people who had teenagers uh, with identity issues. You know, when you're um, growing up abroad as a teenager, those things that give you a sense of identity are often fluid. And so, um, you know, working with mums and coaching them through how they could support their teenager go through that process. And again, it was about curating resources from the experts and then coaching that okay. through with the mums. Um, for some people, it's it's more about you know I, I need something more in my life. How do I how do I discover yeah. what that is? And then <laughs> more recently, and maybe it's a reflection of my own age, <laughs> there's women who have had successful careers who actually want a change. And right. how do you go about creating change in your life? And whether it's because they've moved, they've left their career behind or they've taken sabbatical and they want something different, or they're having, after having kids, they don't want to go back to their old career. And it's like this sort of second act when, mm. when people are saying, what else is there? Yeah. I, I've ticked the career blocks now. <laughs> I need something else, yeah. So expat parenting abroad, I, I do a blog post every week on different topics, but I do a lot of coaching. And at the moment, I'm in the process of creating some digital courses as well around these core topics um, so people can sort of work through it that way as well. So, yeah, lots of different avenues there. Exciting. So if we dig a bit deeper into a couple of teams, let's say teams with identity issues, yeah, what would be a couple of tips that you could share with the parents out there? Yeah. the one thing I have learned through all the work, I mean, my kids are eight and 10, so I'm, I haven't got teenagers myself. Let me yeah. clarify that. So <laughs> I'm doing a lot of research and a lot of learning so I can coach my clients. And the one thing I've learned is teenagers don't want you to fix things for them. They actually yeah. just want to talk to you and for you to be a sounding board, not for you to go and fix it. Um, and if you can get that piece and be comfortable with it, your teenager will come and talk to you about almost anything. And that in itself is really powerful and that strengthens your relationship with your teenager. And so when they're going through these identity issues or whatever it is that that the challenges of the international school environment or, you know, whatever it is that they're facing, you can actually be a really good confidant for them and they will continue to share with you and then you can sort of, when you've got a moment to yourself, go, right now, what do I do next in this space? And that's where yeah. I've been able to support the parents and the mothers. So it's about 
being there for your kids, not trying to fix everything, but really listening and being in tune as well. Um, you know, life these days, it can be so busy and we're frantic going from one activity to the next to the next. And if you're always doing that, you're often missing those really important opportunities to listen and yeah. really truly connect and hear what your child's telling you. And it's about creating space to do that. So whether it's you and your teenager starting a hobby together, maybe you go for a walk on a regular basis together. Maybe you walk to school. Um, mm. You know, those side-by-side activities give you the opportunity to really get in touch and in tune with your teenager. And, yeah, and communication a lot more. Mm. Yeah, I think it is tough to not only find the time but be able to take a look back on how you've been communicating and maybe make a couple of switches yourself to be able to adjust Mm -hmm. your communication to them yeah yeah and absolutely um you know the the last thing a teenager wants to wants to be is told so you can't tell them either so (laughs) as a parent and you've got young children you can say look that's really not a good idea for you to do that your teenagers go yeah right (laughs) you want to tell me this (laughs) So it's it's really changing. You can yeah, you're right. Changing your communication style and finding a different way to do it. And yeah. um, there's some really cool TED talks actually that I found that I shared. And you know, understanding the personality of your teenager as well, and then you know how can you meet that need in their personality? That gives you a huge inroad as well. So yeah, it does come down to communication and and that <laughs> listening component. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're expats or you're about to move, how do you announce this and sort of prepare all this with your kids? There's probably Mm. different ways of doing this depending on their age, whether if they're very young or a bit older or teens. Yeah. Yeah. But would you have, I don't know if you work on a sort of framework for, for this or... Yeah, the framework that I I encourage people to work with is uh, one of naming the emotions. Um, Whether you've got small preschoolers, whether they're school-age kids or teenagers, um, the thing they struggle most with is naming what they're going through. And so you know as yourself, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling guilty about leaving family and friends behind, you're feeling um you know unsure about the uncertainty of what what it's going to be like you know you can you struggle yourself to name what you're going through sure. but to be able to have a conversation with your kids about it you know that's really really important i mean we did a move at the end of last year and it was unexpected although very welcomed at the time it was sure. unexpected and you know our girls were um 7 and 9 at the time and we sat them down and we and we said, look, you know, we've got some news and it's it's a little bit good, but it's a little bit bad, and we'll talk it through with you as to why it's both of those. And so we told them that we were moving. You know, the immediate thing is for them to burst into tears, and then you've yeah. got to sort of talk through what they're crying about. But the the way we describe it is, it's bittersweet. Whether you're an adult yeah. or a kid, it's a bittersweet it experience. There's positives, there's negatives, and somewhere in the middle, your move's going to happen anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you better make the most of it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we took the girls out for dinner that night and we played a game 
one thing I'm happy about and one thing I'm sad about because it's a bittersweet experience. And we went around and we took it in turns and we just kept going until we had nothing more to add. And, you know, it's the little things that really matter. And through that, we got good insight into what the little things were for them. And then we could talk about it some more. We could make accommodations for what they were feeling. um, And where possible, we could explain it to them, even if we couldn't accommodate what they were feeling. So I think that's really important is naming the emotions and giving them that opportunity to say, I'm happy, but I'm sad. And yeah. that's the reality for all of us when we're moving. Yeah, I think it's important. The fact that all of you actually played the game and named, I guess they felt that, okay, you two were feeling the same things, maybe yes. for different reasons, but it wasn't easy for you guys either. No, and, and that's I think the thing is you're making it normal. It's yeah. normal to feel happy and sad at the same time. It's normal to be feeling really, really bad right now and next minute feeling good again because yeah. that's that's human nature, that's human behaviour, that's, that's what we experience in terms of emotions. So, yeah, you normalise it, which is really important. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. What about the whole logistics piece around upon arrival when you have children, I mean, you already have a lot of things to think about for your own move, for your house, etc. But there's also this whole school aspect, activities. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of how, how do you manage that? Or? Yeah, how do you manage that? How do you get around finding mm. all the information? And yeah, I, I'm not a parent myself, but I suppose there's a bit of a stress and anxiety on am I going to find the right things? Are they going to be able to fit in? Yeah, yeah. There there are certain anxieties around it. I think, you know, we've been abroad. We were in Asia for 12 years. I've been abroad for 20 years. Um, I'm Australian living in New Zealand now. My husband's a New Zealander. And then we spent 12 years in Asia. We went up, Facebook was brand new. I mean, everything was done through Yahoo groups. How how do you find information at that point? You know, it was, it was so hard. Today it's a lot easier and it really comes down to, I, and the other huge component is the type of industry that you're working in. So yeah. if you're in a big corporate, you would often be given the opportunity to go to a place and have a look and yeah. visit the school and look at some housing and meet some other people and and soften or cushion that landing experience. And then you've got the other extreme, which is the industry my husband's in, which is hotels, and you get nothing. <laughs> you've got to do all your research online. All so, <laughs> basically. So in terms of before we go, when we're making the decision of would we go, and I say that very loosely because we really don't have much of a say, but there is one location we did turn down, and I can't remember the name of it. It's in uh, northern China near the border where the Muslim community is. And, what were the um, reasons for you to turn it down? Yeah, basically security and safety for myself yeah. and two girls, two okay. little girls at the time. They were three and five. Scott just went back to his boss and said, I'm not comfortable. And he said, oh, I didn't realise yeah. you had two daughters. Yeah, no, don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> But I was able to do a little bit of research and I guess when I'm looking at it, I look at, I Google certain things. So um, International Women's Network, 
expats in whatever the location is, expat networks in whatever the location is, international schools. And then however many schools there are gives you a good indication of where you're going as well. Right. And this is a bit tongue-in-cheek, but I also look up, is there an Ikea, a Marks and Spencer's, <laughs> is there a decathlon? <laughs> Am I going to find my shopping habits? <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily shopping habits, but it gives me an idea of how westernised the place is. So yeah. Amos were all in Asia. And yeah. that gives me a really good indication of <laughs> what am I going to? Into, yeah. <laughs> so there's certain things you can look up. And now with the beauty of Facebook groups and Instagram and all those sorts of things, you can actually do a huge amount of research before you arrive. Yeah. And you can actually then get all the information you need and be very comfortable about the move. And even knowing uh, what what medicines are available, you could find that now in those sorts of groups. Oh, and wow. You, you know what you have to stock up on before you travel mm. and those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think I think it's getting a lot easier. I know with um, I was talking to one expat, she lives in the Philippines, and uh, she was saying with geotagging now, you could actually go into the street you're looking at with, where the houses are and you can actually have all these different views and videos of where it is you're looking at moving. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's beyond my technical capability, but that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the ability to research a place is getting better. Yeah. How you manage that for your kids, I guess the key part is the schooling environment you're going to put them into. Again, our moves have been in Asia, so it's a little bit different, but we didn't have a huge amount of choices in terms of schooling. It was either this is it or there might be a second one that's an option. Um, And it then comes down to the values of the school and, um, you know, the sense that you get from it. Moving back to New Zealand, obviously, we had a much greater choice. And the key components for me when I was looking at schools were the diversity of the school, our girls have grown up in Asia, coming back to something that wasn't diverse mm, it's tough. been a huge culture shock for them. Yeah. So having a good diversity of the school, and so I looked at things like the Indian population and the Chinese population and, and got a good sense that the school we chose fit well with what we needed. The type of curriculum that's offered, um, does it fit your home country should you need or want to go back again? would be really important as well and then I guess you could look at what the activities are that are available but often if you can't find them in the school they will be available in the community anyway that wouldn't be a deal breaker so yeah it's just those sorts of things that you need to be thinking about if you could get a tour of the school beforehand that reduces the anxiety in the kids uh, significantly and again, our moves have been outside of the core school year. Mm. Um, so there's been an opportunity That's for the girls to be able to have a transition day before they actually started and be matched up with a buddy and that sort of thing. Yeah. So you could always ask for that sort of thing as well if the school doesn't offer it. Mm. But yeah, I think it's probably different if you're moving to Europe. I, um, I know some people, you know, if they're going to a city in Germany, for example, they've got a lot more options uh, in terms of schooling. So there's probably not the same sort of pressure as well in terms yeah. of or what if it's not right <laughs> because you can <could> always change. 
well, I don't, I don't know in Asia, but I, in Europe, most of the time you would have, well, the places I moved to in Europe, there was always a French school if necessary. Yes. And there was a French school, there was usually an American school, a local school. So you had a couple of international options there. Yeah, I think that's important. If you've got those options, then that's great. And you can actually make a good decision. Yeah. If you're lucky enough. <laughs> <laughs> What would be the main FAQs parents come with concerning their their children? Do you know, I think the key one is, you know, am I damaging my child? Am I hurting my child? Am I harming my child long term? You know, that sort of thing. And, you know, as a parent raising my children abroad and moving every couple of years, you know, you wonder, oh, God, what am I doing? But I think, you know, the one thing I've learned through all this is, I mean, and for those who don't know, um, kids that grow up in, a, in, a, in another culture are referred to as TCKs or third culture kids. Third culture, I TCKs. I've never heard that. Oh, haven't you? No. <laughs> third culture kids or TCKs. Um, Ruth Van Recken, and I can't remember the other guy's name, uh, were the original sort of founders of the concept um, probably 20-odd years ago, maybe, or it would be longer than that now. Yeah, a, lo- a long time ago, long, long time ago. Okay. And um, I actually had the privilege of hearing Ruth talk uh, last year in Bangkok. And, you know, the one thing that comes through with TCKs is this amazing level of resilience. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was reading a book at the moment about um, women's brains and how they change by Dr. Sarah Mackay, and she says, you know, children are like um, orchids. You've got to uh, give them lots of love and attention for them to flourish. But if you're lucky enough to have a kid with a dose of resilience, they're like dandelions, they'll flourish anywhere. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the one thing you can be sure about with expat, uh, TCKs and expat kids is that they'll have that resilience and that adaptability and the ability Definitely. to change. And yeah. I think, you know, when you can be really secure in knowing that as a parent, all of that anxiety around what am I doing to my kid just falls away and you can just enjoy and appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, watch the girls come back from Asia or come from Asia and move into New Zealand and, you know, they, they, they're so inquisitive. They don't assume anything. They don't judge anything. They just ask questions and they want to know they want to understand and I think that is just beautiful in human nature if you can raise a child who doesn't judge and assume and they actually really do want to know and understand the other person then you know wow wouldn't we have an amazing world going forward (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean I think that's the biggest concern the other concern that parents have is around schooling and curriculums But again, unless they're like in the final two, three years of school, kids are adaptable. They will be fine. They'll find a way to. They will learn. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I I I can't see the negative to raising your kids in a foreign country. I really can't. And the more I read, and the more I research, and the more I understand, you know, it's just such a wonderful opportunity. And I mean, you would know yourself, Pauline. 
I, mean, I, I think I turned out fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> I feel fine. I feel happy. But I, I know it definitely brought me the resilience you talked about, the capability to adapt, to change, to new places, the love of travel and the curiosity, the fact that I I continued being an expat after on my own is because I grew up as an expat. I'm not sure I would have done it if I had not traveled younger. Mm, yeah. That's yeah, that's thing. really interesting, isn't it? That confidence to do it yeah. on your own. There, there is also always that fear. I mean, I'm currently thinking of, am I going to move, move away again? Am I going to be able to move back to Paris? Or do I have to go abroad again? Which sounds a bit scary, but I know I am capable of, uh, of doing it. Yeah. And so you have I the know. normal levels of anxiety that anyone would have facing it yeah. and, move and the questions that you ask yourself. But yeah. yeah. And I sort of know the steps of, well, if I move, I know I'm going to go through this phase of excitement, this phase of low, this is what's going to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised. There's always going to be this, okay, I can reflect. I'm feeling this. This is normal. This is why yeah. it should get better if I do this, that or that. Yes. Yes, and it doesn't matter how many times you move, you still oh, you have it every time. <laughs> I, I always joke with my friends, I've become an expert in finding silver linings. <laughs> when, what situation you throw me into, I can find a good thing about it. <laughs> yeah, which is super important when you're far from everyone. <laughs> exactly. But I think that's the other beautiful thing about expat life, and, and especially as a parent raising kids in a foreign country. you know. You don't have your normal support network, so you are yeah. literally the sisterhood. You are there for each other and you've yeah. got each other's backs. I mean, when we moved to Delhi, I think I had about a month before Samantha was born and oh, wow. we were in, in the restaurant, the girls and I having um, having lunch and this woman came over and she said, are you visiting or have you moved here? I said, I've just moved here. And um, she said, you're about to have a baby. I said, yes, I am. She said, oh, my goodness. She said, what support have you got? <laughs> well, actually, I haven't got any support yet. Well, not kidding you, I must have been 12 hours out of surgery and she was there visiting me with everything that oh. I needed, from hand creams to magazines. To That's so sweet. <laughs> such a dear, dear lady and such a dear friend now. I mean, we're, you know, this is eight years ago, but. You know, someone that no matter where we are in the world, I know I can pick up the phone, call, yeah. and have it. Just skip all of that other stuff, and you've really you're there for each other and supporting each other. So, yeah, the I think there there is that sense of support among expats because we know what we've been through, and so we are definitely there for others, even if we barely know each other. We will make we'll become friends a lot easier and quicker than with yes. people in our home yeah. country. Yes. Yeah, it's like speed dating. You skip the whole get yeah. to know your phase and you're straight into the relationship. <laughs> but I actually noticed that even as a kid when I was in, uh, when we moved to South Africa, I went to the French school in South Africa. And so I was with a lot of international kids and a lot of them were children of diplomats or of the military. And so they were used to moving every two, three years. And there was really that aspect that, we know we're not here for long, so we've got to make friends. We've got to make them fast. Yes, and yes. I felt that a lot more in that international, well, well French school, 
abroad than in any other French school yes. in France. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because if you're in a school in home country per se, then, you know, you've got to earn your spot. You've got, you've got yeah, to, and most of the time the kids have been in the same group and with the same children, same class for 12 years. So yeah. how do you yeah. get your spot <laughs> among that? <laughs> It's much easier to go overseas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> Moving to the support groups. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about these these women that sort of have to put their career aside and find a new a new purpose. Mm. Mm. I have to say that is, I think, one of the biggest challenges of moving abroad because yeah and it's the old it's the old saying you know that it, it's often the husband that has the the career or the the, the job the higher paying yeah. job it's not always the case and I know I'm being very generous when I say yeah. it but it, it is very common and yeah. as women we give up our careers because and also you know we are raising children so it's an opportunity to be a stay-at-home mum as well so there is a, a bonus. Time. yeah but you do, you give up your career, you're home with the kids and you're living in a foreign country and you're kind of going, oh, right. It's just going to be my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it is so. It is very, very rewarding to get involved in the NGOs, especially if you're living in Asia. I don't know about Europe, but I know in Asia there are NGOs are desperate for your support and your expertise and your help and even just to be able to profile who they are with you you know they're desperate for it and you can definitely do that and it is very rewarding I mean I did a huge amount of work with uh, Stop in Delhi and they rescue women and children from trafficking and they counsel them and then rehabilitate them into vocational training and employment and you know incredible experiences those women were just the most beautiful women and if I ever ran into them in the market or something after working with them you know They'd always come up and, and say hello and ask me how I am and all that sort of thing. You know, it's just beautiful, beautiful experience. And if you can find that opportunity when you're living abroad, then by all means make the most of it. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. And if, if you go to an international school, you know, the parent organisation, they're desperate for your expertise. They're desperate for volunteers to get involved and, you know, really change the way things are done. And if you've got the energy and you've got the got the willingness then you know you will get you'll feel so rewarded doing it because you're giving back to your kids school yeah but then you get to a stage and I'm talking you know we've been abroad for 10 years by this stage Mm. in Asia for 10 years by this stage but you know you want more for yourself as well and and how do you do it how do you find that and I think the the key is really knowing your strengths and your passions and then being really open-minded about how you can use them. And I was so fortunate that I discovered Tandem Nomads and Amel Draghi and was able to do this business idea accelerator because it literally changed my life. I'd ne- I, would, I would never think of myself as an entrepreneur or, you know, being able to start up my own business or, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd consider myself a jack of all trades a master of none I, I, I really didn't know what I could do and then you know going through that process and then 
understanding the value of having a portable business. Yeah. That that was the game changer for me. Oh, that definitely. was what changed everything in my life. And, you know, we moved back to New Zealand um, pretty much unplanned and unexpected. And I was able to continue my business through yeah. the transition while setting up home <laughs> here, you know, all the way through. And, you know, another really tough part of moving is those first few months when you don't know anyone and you don't know where to go to find things and you've got this sort of free time and, you know, God forbid you actually start to get bored because that's when the doubt and the, yeah. the negative anxiety comes in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was so fortunate. I had my own business, you know. I, I could just keep, you know, batching my blog posts and working on new ideas and, you know, I was, I was, I was going for it. And actually my okay. coach messaged me. She said, um, you might want to slow down a bit. You're going to burn out. <laughs> but it was the perfect opportunity to do a lot because it's that yeah. in-between stage when you're moving. So the power in having a portable business, you know, I didn't even know that sort of concept existed until I got to Taipei and I found this. So, you know, if, if anyone's listening and they're thinking, oh, I wonder what else there is out there look into building your own portable business because yeah. it doesn't matter then where you go. It doesn't matter how long you stay in one location. It doesn't matter. You can structure around what your kids are doing. It doesn't matter if they're on summer holidays or not. You structure your own hours. You you can be yeah. flexible and you can be with them when they need you and you can, you know, invest in yourself when they're, they're okay, when they're independent. So, yeah, I, if, if anyone's listening and they're wondering what next, <laughs> get in contact. <laughs> <laughs> I will tag your Instagram and the site <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> Go see. I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> it's so it's it's just so important not to feel worthless. Um, yeah. You know, when I look at the the people, the friends, and people I talk to, and that feeling of self doubt, of worthlessness, and oh. your self confidence erodes and you don't need to be that woman. You don't need to be that mother. You you can do more. And, you know, it, the minute you can start embracing that and looking for the opportunities, oh, your world just changes. It, it's really, really powerful. Yeah, it it is super important to find that, yeah, you can do things. You're not reduced to just being the stay-at-home wife mother that there is a lot yeah. more in uh in in your life if you if you want it i mean if you enjoy being a stay if you want if you want i mean don't get me wrong <laughs> Do it. If you love shopping and if you love going out for lunch there is nothing wrong with doing that i'm not judging it yeah. at all it's just not who yeah, i am it's it's really finding well what actually pleases me and being empowered to yeah. do it and finding that confidence that yeah. I, I, I find great and that a lot of, yeah, we, we need a lot. I, it's something that's come up recently. I feel that we hear a lot more around the media, around empowerment, but um, it's nice to see yeah. that there are really actions and there is support around us. Yes. And, and honestly, I wish I had have known there was sooner because, yeah, I mean, you do a lot of things. I don't, I don't regret anything I've done, don't get me wrong. And as I said, if you find that right NGO, if you find a way to, to use your skills and your passions, then, you know, it is so, so rewarding. Yeah. But I needed more than that, you know, by the time we got to Taipei. So, 
when when you get to places, if there's something you go, I went to Chongqing in China, which is way out west um, near Sichuan. It's a second tier city, and I did not want to go and have lunch. I did not want to go shopping. I wanted oh. to go walking. So I started a group. Um, we called ourselves uh, CQ Explorers, Chongqing Explorers. And there was five mums from school and we would get together once a week and I would research somewhere to go walking and we would go and explore it. Yeah. Within a year, it was a group of 100. Oh, <laughs> we wow. Were... <laughs> because we want, we want to explore. We want to see things. Yeah. We wanted to do and we wanted to practice our, Ch- you know, we're all learning Chinese because no one speaks English. So we wanted to practice our Chinese and we wanted to do things, you know. So if you move somewhere and that you can't find what you want, then create it, create it for yeah. yourself because there are other people in the same boat. And, you know, if you can get your head around that, then you will have a wonderful experience no matter where you live in the world. Yeah, I think you start getting creative a lot more. The more you move, you, you just start thinking out of the box and doing things a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> trying new activities you had never thought about (laughs) (laughs) i did i did aerial yoga in taipei for a while that was fun (laughs) i mean south africa i had as a kid you had to do rugby girl or girl or guy everyone had to go rugby I don't think my parents had ever expected that they would have to pay for rugby lessons for their daughter. Ask them what their views were on that. Great. There mm-hmm. is one question I wanted to ask you. With all your travels, I mean, you're 12 years in Asia, plus New Zealand. What's a song that represents a little bit of your your experience, your mm-hmm. journey? Or one specific one. Okay, so if I had to choose a song that represents me, and it's it's one I've come across recently, and it's I've had a life that's good, and it's from the TV series Nashville, and Mm. it's basically you know at the end of the day, if I've got my family, and I've you know I've got the grace of of you know Lord watching over me, then you know I've had a life that's good. And I think, you know, if you can if you can embrace that, then it doesn't matter where you live, you'll be happy. Mm. But then I had another song in my head. <laughs> which is, okay. If I think about myself as a parent and a mother of two daughters, it's Jason Morant's Have It All. And, oh. you know, I, w- I wish for my daughters to have it all, no matter, you know, their worst day, uh, be today's best day, but, you know, be the worst day of their fr- uh, future, you know. Yeah. That, that if you could ha- want something for your daughters, you want them to have anything they've dreamed of. And so yeah. it's those two songs. I couldn't decide between them, sorry. <laughs> well, both of them in the comments and also on the Spotify playlist, then both will be there. <laughs> but I like that. They really have a meaning and yeah, represent what you want, what you feel. And it's nice, interesting. Yeah, and, and one you can get up and dance to, and the other one, if you're not feeling very good, well, you'll have a good cry. So. <laughs> For both moods. Perfect. <laughs> I've, got your, I've got your emotions covered too. <laughs> and then you play the emotions game and name them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, great. Thank you so much for joining. I mean, this was very insightful. There are loads of tips for parents, for finding yourself, understanding that you're clearly not alone going through this, Um, being worried or trying to find your purpose. 
I mean, I definitely recommend going to see uh, your your website and the curated content. I'll put the link yeah, in in the comments. Thank you. No, I just think you know, if anyone's listening and thinking about moving abroad, then you know, go for it. Go yeah. for it. Take the opportunity. You you just you never know. You never know where it's going to lead you. Yeah, I think you'll always learn something. You'll always come yes. out with a positive. Yes. It's going to be tough, yes. but there are always <laughs> you'll find a silver lining. <laughs> a good, a good highlight. Sometimes it takes a lot of years to understand where it was, but <laughs> <laughs> a bit of reflection sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely, comes down to mindset. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, looking at the learnings in the end. That comes. Yeah. Out. Okay. No, cool. Thank you so much, Pauline. Thank you. Thank you for listening. As usual, I'll link everything in the comments. And if you liked the episode, go put a review and a couple of stars on Apple Podcasts and stay tuned for the next one in two weeks. Thank you.